0: Hey, how about those Phillies? (laughs) We're not going to start off talking baseball, but we will get to it eventually because as Gabby just said to me just moments ago, it's kind of their good luck charm. The fact that we talk about them here on the Encore podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And do they give us credit? No, of course not. No, none. (laughs) But anyway. Anyway. Uh, We'll hold that for a little bit later, but there is, we have an episode here that we think that a lot of you are going to like. And this is one that uh, Gabby was interested in uh, because she's a runner. Why don't you explain, Gab?
1: I saw an article about a week ago about a woman named Emily Sisson, who broke the American women's marathon record at the Chicago marathon. That means that she ran a marathon in two hours 18 minutes and 29 seconds, which was 43 seconds better than the previous record, which is complete insanity to me. You know, the second reason why I thought maybe this guess would be good is because this past weekend, I also ran a half marathon that I've been training about 12 weeks for now. Um, it has been three days and I still can feel every single muscle in my life.
0: Really? Really? Yeah. Well, um, you need to but, take Epsom salts soak. That's what you need.
1: Actually took the advice of our guests as well here. And I did grab um, some ice and some ibuprofen. So that has definitely helped today. Um, A little
0: bourbon on that ice would help too.
1: (laughs) Might need that for the Phillies game later. Uh, (laughs) Our guest today, Claire is a plant-based running and mindset coach, which means that she coaches people to really find the best version of themselves in they're running journeys, but also, you know, she has run nine marathons. So, especially in that distance, I would say she had a pretty remarkable time difference between her very first marathon several years ago and her most recent marathon. But I don't want to spoil it too much. When we come back, we'll hear from Claire Bartholik on the Onifer Podcast.
0: Okay. So, I know Gabby in particular has been looking forward to uh, talking with our guest this week, because as all of you know, I don't know, you don't really talk about it a whole lot, though, Gabby, on our podcast, the fact that you are a runner and that you just completed a half marathon uh, over this past weekend up there in New York City, uh, which in itself to me seems like a very daunting ta- task. You know, if I'm going to run, I'm thinking bucolic. I'm thinking, you know, windy, hilly country roads, maybe not so hilly, actually, for at least for me. But to be running in New York City, I think, is an entirely different thing. And we'll talk about that. But we do have Claire Bartholik with us from the one of the most beautiful parts of the country, I think, Asheville, North Carolina there, the Blue Ridge Mountains and all of that. Just a gorgeous, lovely place, Claire. Claire is a plant-based running and mindset coach. And she has a podcast, which I've heard several editions of. And it look, if you're a runner, which I'm not, this is something that will really, really benefit you. And I was listening to uh, Claire, your podcast this morning. I do walk three miles every morning. Good. Yeah. So I was listening to your podcast and a couple of times I almost broke out into a trot, Uh, (laughs) but I managed to collect myself in (laughs) and not allow that to happen for the moment. You know, one of the things that I found interesting as you kind of introduced yourself is that you said you took up running basically, you know, after having children so that you could fit into a dress for your reunion.
2: Yes, that's true. That's true. My whole journey started with vanity. (laughs) I just wanted to get in shape. And I had run in spurts um, while I was growing up and in my 20s, but it had never really stuck for very long. And um, this time, yeah, I just, I knew that running would help get me into shape. So uh, the first year, I pretty much hated every second of it. (laughs) But somewhere along the way, there, I wish I could say, you know, there was this light bulb moment where, you know, it was just the best run ever. That never, ever happened, but it just became something that I actually fell in love with. I don't know how, but along the way, somewhere I did, and it's absolutely changed my life.
1: Would you say that it took you the whole first year that you just referenced to want to run a marathon? Or was it sooner than that, that you were like, hey, I think this is something that I could do because... <laughs> I mean I feel like we have to be crazy sometimes to pick up like such long distance goals.
2: Yeah, well I had run a half marathon in my 20s and I was training for that to get over a breakup. And I ran the the half marathon and ended up getting back together with the guy. (laughs) And and I stopped running. It got cold. I didn't want to run anymore. Life was good. Right. Um, But this time I had, you know, I had my reunion and then there was that same half marathon was in the fall. And I wanted to see if 30 something me could beat that 20 something me. And so I was like, I've got all this fitness. I you know, I've been hating running for a year. I don't want to just lose all this fitness. I'll just see if I can do that half marathon. And so I did the half marathon and I did beat my 20 something self. So that was super encouraging. And then after that, it was just like, well, I should run a marathon now. You know, somebody on Facebook was running a marathon from high school. She was actually running Boston, which, uh, you know, you have to actually qualify for that. I didn't know that. Um, So I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And um, that is kind of how I started the marathon journey.
1: You have made this decision that you wanted to do the marathon. I feel like just in general with fitness nowadays, and especially over the last 10 years, if you're taking on this journey by yourself, you know, where do you start? I saw on your website, you described yourself as a student of the marathon. And I was hoping that you could talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't start at the marathon. Um, (laughs) A lot of people are like, Oh, the marathon, it gets all the glory and it, and it, for good reason it's it's an amazing accomplishment but it's a mistake to go there first so hopefully you should try something else at least a half but hopefully a five care something just see if you like you know, racing, you can run without racing. You can be an amazing runner and never, ever toe the line at a race. Um, So I highly suggest you dip your toe in it first and see if you actually like it um, with a smaller race. And also your fitness is, you know, you don't just have marathon fitness overnight. It takes years. It really, really does. Unless you have fitness from another sport, which I really didn't. You know, it took me, I think it was about a year and a half before I ran my very first marathon. So if you have that pie in the sky goal and you're just like not fit and you're on the couch and you're like a marathon sounds awesome. First of all, that is awesome. I love big goals. I love huge pie in the sky, impossible goals because they actually can happen just one step at a time. But what you need to do is reverse engineer that. So if you want to run a marathon, that's 26.2% miles all at once, like that's super overwhelming. So you have to work backwards and see what you need to do every single day to get there. And so I suggest starting off with smaller goals so you can have a sense of accomplishment and you can, you know, take steps in that direction. I
1: know another thing that we had discussed in your intro was the fact that you are plant-based. Um, Is that something that you've been doing for a long time? Was that something that you picked up when you started running or some other combination of the two?
2: So I was plant-based first, but not by long. So I've been plant-based. It'll be 10 years um, this month. I, you know, started it roughly at the same time, but probably just by a couple months. So I've always run, at least this iteration of me, I've always run uh, plant-based. So I can't have, I don't have one of those stories that said, oh, I went plant-based and everything got better. You know, <laughs> I was already better, you know, from being plant-based, you know, I lost uh, a little bit of weight at first and don't get me wrong. I was never overweight, but I was just sort of normal. You know, I was just fine, but I was not you know, in athletic shape at all. And so switching to whole foods, plant-based, that just kind of really changed the way I looked at food, the way I fueled myself. And then becoming an athlete, you really do need to study this stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, maybe aren't, don't have meat or dairy in it, but aren't necessarily what's going to fuel your training the best. So you do need to kind of know what you're doing. There are some vitamins you have to take, you know, there, you do have to pay attention to protein and carbohydrates and all that stuff. You really do need to kind of learn how to do this because, if you're not fueled right, and I don't care if you're plant-based or not, you are going to hurt yourself. So, and if not hurt yourself, you're going to leave performance on the table. So it's really important as you start to, you know, go along your running journey, if that's what you want to do, you got to pay attention to what you're eating.
0: Absolutely. I I mentioned that uh, back in my twenties and thirties, I was a runner and I, I had never had a goal to do a, a a half marathon, much less a full marathon, 26.2 miles, but I I was running eight to 10 miles, three or four times a week. And one of the problems I had was shin splints, which Mm -hmm. really frustrated me to no end. And as it's true, I wasn't a serious runner. So I never really sought out, Hey, what do I do about this? Has that ever been a problem for you?
2: I never had any injuries. um, So remarkably, and I I think the reason for that is because I really did focus on strength training and taking care of myself. And when I um, knew I was running too much, I would take a rest day. So personally, I was very lucky through nine marathons, never had an injury, at least not an injury from running, you know, like I fell down the street and twisted my ankle, but that doesn't count, (laughs) Um, but no running injuries. But You know, shin splints, actually, those are very typical of a new runner injury. There's something that happens from overuse. So running eight miles a day you know, eight miles at a time, three times a week is probably too much. Um, Had you maybe spread out that mileage over the week, um, you know, taking that same 30 miles and spread it out over five days, it wouldn't have as much impact because you have the time to recover and repair in between runs. So not everybody, um, you know, who gets shin splints is new, but it is one of those injuries that really plagues newer runners who haven't acclimated their legs as much. So
0: So (laughs) rookie mistake is what you're saying, basically. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I got that. I'm glad to hear that. I wish I would have uh, talked to you back in those days. Who knows? I still may be running today. When you approach taking on a full marathon, what, how do you approach that? First of all, how far back do you start your training and what does that training look like for you?
2: Well, that would depend on what your fitness and experience level is. So if you're newer to the marathon, you obviously need to train longer. If you've done marathons before, you can get away with a little less marathon specific training, but this doesn't mean you just, you know, take six months off and then run a marathon three months later. This is assuming that you have a base of running, um, when you're not specifically training for the marathon. So for most people, it's going to be anywhere from 12 to 20 weeks of marathon specific training. And when you recommend
1: strength training, um, Mm -hmm. do you, I think like a question I had when I first started to look into strength training for this half marathon was in my head, I was like, it makes more sense. I think for me to try to strengthen, like my back and my core rather than focusing on my legs. But then as I did a little bit more research, you know, I, I came across like, no, you should really be trying to, to build strength everywhere. So I, I, I was just curious, like what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah, you absolutely should be training your legs and you can get your core and your back um, strengthened at the same time if you're smart about your the way that you strength train. So if you're doing compound moves, so a squat is a compound move because you're not just um, on a machine working one muscle, you're working several muscles to do a, you know a functional activity. But if you think about a squat, you think, oh, I'm working my legs and I'm working my glutes, but you actually have to have an enormous amount of core stability to get yourself from that low position to the high position. And if you, and if you're adding weights, um, if you do it on one leg, you know, any type of unilateral training, which is when you do it on one side at a time, that is going to be an incredible core, uh, stability workout. So yes, you you're doing the right thing by strengthening your core, but there are better ways than like sit-ups. You really want to be doing um, sit-ups. Aren't bad, but they're not the most they're not the most effective and efficient. So you really do want to be strengthening your legs. You want to have durable, tough legs, um, that can handle running. So what we do when we run, we are just going in one plane. We're trying to move forward. We're hopping from one foot to the other, but it's, you know, it's a very, um, similar repetitive movement over and over and over again. And if you have any kind of imbalance, um, you know, your right leg is longer than your left leg or your right glute is stronger than your left or whatever it is, those will tend to get exaggerated when you do repetitive movement and also overuse injuries start to to creep up like those shin splints um so (laughs) staying strong through strength training can help you counteract some of that stuff and it can also build your power so if you think about running as a series of jumps from one foot to the other if you have more powerful legs running will be easier and you can run faster longer
1: One thing that has particularly stuck out to me since following you is your story about the fact that you ran your first marathon in about four hours, which is to me incredible because I am a pretty slow runner and my mindset now being early and hopefully a long career of running for myself is just that like finishing it and getting familiar with how I'm feeling and, and preparing for half marathons is what's eventually going to build me to be Better and faster, but then you know you said that your goal was to get under three hours, and you ended up accomplishing that, which is amazing. I know it it was over many years, but I was wondering if you could maybe offer some insight into how you got faster, because I know for me, my my mile times and my half marathons are not very fast, but you know it is something that I'd like to work on in the future. And I know it's you know start now and, and see the benefits root in, in a few years.
2: Yeah. So we already talked about strength training. That is definitely a key to getting powerful. So if you think about endurance running, what do you need to have in order to run long and in order to run fast? So the number one thing you need to have is a big aerobic engine. So that, you know, when you run anything longer than about 800 meters, you are using your aerobic energy system. That is with oxygen. And so humans are amazing at um, our aerobic endurance. We We can outlast nearly any other species on the planet if given enough time. And that's because we have this amazing capability to develop our lungs. And so how we develop our lungs, which is the main power, the main energy system that you need for endurance running, the way you do that is through aerobic exercise, which is slow running. So it is the hardest thing that I teach What you need to do to be able to run fast is run slow most of the time. So 80% of your running should be slow running. And I don't mean slow as compared to other people. I don't care what your actual pace is. What I mean is slow for you. It should be a jog. It should be absolutely painfully slow until you get used to it. And that is where all the aerobic development happens. It doesn't happen when you run your 5k pace that, that kind of steals your aerobic power. So when you're trying to build your aerobic engine, you have to do it by running slow. The other thing that running slow does is that it promotes recovery from your faster running. So if you are doing some kind of track workout, to develop your speed. So you have to, in order to run fast, you have to run fast sometimes, but the next day you either should have a rest day or you should have an easy, slow running day. So that helps move the blood around, brings oxygen, nutrients to your damaged muscles. So the following day, or maybe two days later, you can run long or you can run fast again and you're fresh. So the biggest mistake that people who are new to the sport um, do is they just run one pace all the time. And they're like, oh, I want to run a four-hour marathon. So that means I need to run 906 per mile every single chance possible because that's how I'm going to get there. And that is absolutely false. And you're not ever going to make it if you try to do that all the time. So you need to have polarized training. So slow most of the time. And then the other 20% should be fast. So you actually do have to work hard on your speed days but not redlining it. You don't want to like fall down on the ground at the end of your workout. You should be going at about, you know, on a scale of one to 10, your hard days should be about an eight. You know, you should always have enough in the tank so that you could run one more, but you wouldn't want to. And that way you're never overtraining, and you're running just underneath your um, ceiling. And that makes it sustainable so that you can do this for a long time because, Endurance running is the sport of running for a long time. And it takes a long time to actually get good at it.
0: Now, the marathon, do you look, when when you're getting into a marathon, do you look forward to it? Are you thinking ahead of that 26.2 miles and thinking, boy, I'm going to have a great time today running, uh, running all of that (laughs) distance? Um, How, I guess my question really is this, how do you steel yourself mentally for for this rigorous physical exercise?
2: Well, so for me, a marathon is not fun. It's not, some people run for fun. Some people dress up in tutus. Some people are high-fiving people and, and drinking beers along the way. That sounds great and maybe I should try it that way, but
0: <laughs>
2: Right. But all of all of my marathoning was to show off the hard work that I had put put on and just to see if I could do what I had trained to do. So it is more about figuring out the puzzle of how to run a fast marathon and then going ahead and trying it. That was the um motivation for me. Fun is is a different thing. That's <laughs> that's I mean, it's fun is great, but marathoning for me is not fun. Um, but it's super deep sense of accomplishment, um, lots of pride when you do something hard well, you know, it's really, really great to overcome challenges. Like that's the that's the motivation, but fun, no. <laughs> but there are a lot of mental techniques that you can use to make hard running easier. And that is a big part of my coaching is I believe that you need solid training, you need good nutrition, and you need mental strength training. Because if you don't have any one of those three, your three-legged stool is going to fall over. So there are a lot of really cool mental strength um, exercises that you can do. I assign them every week to my athlete. My athlete and at the end of my podcast, I do something called the mental strength minute. So it's just a tiny little tip in 60 seconds or less to fortify your mind. And hopefully it'll be a tip that you can use on your run while you're listening.
1: I was actually running in a race back in May, and there was a man who was dressed as Allen Iverson and he dribbled a basketball for all 10 miles. And I just, I looked at that and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I just I don't know what's happening here nor do I have the capacity to do something like
2: that. There's there's footage of this man who ran the Berlin Marathon which was a couple of weeks weeks ago with a pineapple on his head the whole time. The whole time. You know, like that's someone who's having fun. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> not I I yeah, I don't understand those people but more power to them. <laughs> Um, so do you have a favorite distance that you run? I don't know. I really like three to five miles right now. <laughs> um, I'm not training for um, races anymore. I get all my joy out of training others and letting them do all the really hard work. And I get to take all the, you know, <laughs> pride from them now. So um, I really, really love sharing that experience with others. So right now I still run almost every single day, but it's more just for my mental clarity. It's more, you know, it's also like brushing my teeth. It's just, you know, what I do for my health and fitness, along with strength training, of course, still got to do that. I really love any any like thirty to forty five minute run is just super sweet. Um, it's enough to feel like you've actually done something, but it's not so hard that you can't you know do anything else that you want to do for the day.
0: Do you encourage members of the family there to join you in these uh, efforts, or do that? I mean, uh, you know, it seems to be that it's very rare that there's just one athlete in the family. Usually Mm -hmm. it kind of spreads. It's one of those things, you know, that I, I see mom doing this, or maybe I see my partner doing this and they really seem to be getting great benefit from it. Maybe I should try it. So yes, you have that experience there at yes
2: i I run with my partner not not all the time, um, but we run a little bit together and my kids I have a thirteen year old and a and an eleven year old and the thirteen year old will run with me every once in a while um he'll run a mile or two um but the little one is actually more athletic so i I think she'll come around but yeah they they do it a little bit, but most of the time it's like, see you later, mom." <laughs> um do you
1: have anything that you really enjoy listening to while you run i need to retire the current playlist i just trained with because (laughs) i i've just heard it too many times at this point
2: Well, so for slow running, I always listen to podcasts and for fast running, I listen to music. So I'm the worst DJ. Like I don't like programming my own playlist. I just, I just want to put it on and have somebody else do it. So I am a sucker for pop music. I love dancey music, disco-y pop music. So anything like that, I love on a fast um, day. And then podcasts, I'm all over the place. I listen to true crime. I listen to like business podcasts. I listen to inspirational podcast, ritual, you know, like there's all sorts of ones that I try to rotate, but I'm not, I, I'm always listening to something different, but that's, that helps keep me slow on slow days, listening to a podcast. Cause you're just sort of jogging along. Cause if I listen to upbeat music, I am going to be running faster. That's just going to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For the longer races I've run, I've tried to make the first 75% uh, podcast. Cause it keeps me pretty even on my splits. And then like, I just sort of let it fly after that. Um, all the good music, but, um, I, so I did want to, um, touch on your coaching. When did you realize that you wanted to be a coach?
2: Well, what happened was, um, so along my journey from like 402 to 258, when I was about at 311, you know, I just finished Chicago and I was like, okay, I think I need some help. And so I hired um, an online coaching company called Runners Connect and I used them for, um, you know, my next couple of marathons and it wasn't long i went to one of their retreats they had a retreat in blowing rock north carolina and you know i was really active with them and you know i was i don't know i i just loved being a part of the community cuz there's a way that we all the athletes could interact with each other and I had already started a blog at this point. And so they knew that I was computer savvy and pretty much it just sort of one thing after another, they're like, well, would you want to try coaching? We have an opening. And I was like, yes. And so I was a full-time real estate agent and I have been for 20 years, although I technically have my license, but I haven't sold a house in two years now. And I'm very proud of that. So I am full-time at the Planted Runner, which is a dream come true to me, but anyway, I just was like, are you sure you want me to be a coach? And they're like, yeah, we'll teach you everything you know, you need to know. And so I was kind of mentored by them and I ended up working with Runners Connect for I think it was 6-7 years. And, you know, I would also take clients on the side. Um, I was an independent contractor, so it was, you know, fine. And I just started growing my own business on the side. And eventually I was like, I'm good. Um, <laughs> you know, we we had a very um, mutually happy breakup, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, still will, uh, you know, work with them, I'm sure in the future in some kind of collaboration. But yeah, they were absolutely instrumental to me, you know, doing what I do. Now, so I'm super, super grateful.
0: Were you an athlete in high school, college? Did you <laughs> were, were, did you do track, anything like that, or is this was this completely new for you just to get into that dress for the reunion?
2: <laughs> when I was 14, I um, was going to go on an outward bound trip. Was it outdoor adventure, uh, you know. Excursion, and my dad had done it. Who had inspired me? And he said, "Well, you know, you have to run a half marathon at the end of this." And so he made me train. He made me go out and train. So I that whole summer, I had my Walkman with the um, Top Gun soundtrack in the cassette, <laughs> you know, and I trained, and I trained for this half marathon. And just didn't. I just went out and ran. I didn't know what I was doing, right? And so at the end of the hour bound, you know, there was the marathon and. I actually beat all the boys, you know, all the 14 year olds, I beat all the girls and I beat all the boys and I was just like, wow, that's cool. And then I tried out for the track team the following year in high school and I ran one meet and I got last. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> and so I quit and I didn't run again until my 20s um, when I did that one and a half marathon to get over the breakup. So, I mean, I was kind of active a little bit. You know, I was on the dance team. We had a competitive dance team. Um, but other than that, no, I was I was partying and smoking cigarettes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> thankfully, I don't do that anymore. <laughs>
0: Obviously nutrition is a very big part of, uh, of what you do, but do you find that you have to, if you don't eat a certain at a certain level that you will just continue to lose weight? Is it one of those things or has your body adjusted to the point? Like, for example, me, I can lose 10 pounds, but then my body will struggle to get back up to those 10 pounds that I lost. Uh, But you as an athlete and as a runner, do you find that you have to continually eat at a certain level in order to keep up your strength and stamina?
2: There's a point where I won't be able to lose anymore, even if I was trying. So, um, you know, a a misconception with running is that the, the smaller you are, the lighter you are, the faster you will run. And so I believed that and took that a little too far in my journey. And thankfully I realized that wasn't working. So I was able to turn it around, but there was a point, where my body had stabilized and I, you know, I, I was not going to lose any more weight, even if I didn't eat anything. Um, and, but you're talking about going in the opposite direction, right? Do I, do you feel like I have to eat more or I will lose too yeah. much weight? No, my body does not work that way either. <laughs> <laughs> I I tend to eat about this, not the same thing, but about the same amount every day. And so it's, you know, you, it will, it will change depending on how much I'm training, of course, and it, as it should, but it's pretty stabilized. Um, I actually have a coach now and we're working on some strength stuff and we've been working together since May and it's pretty intensive and it does take into account what I'm eating, but, you know, since May, so how many months is that six months or whatever, my weight didn't fluctuate by more than two pounds the whole time, even though, you know, I'm building these big guns. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I've definitely gotten a whole lot stronger, but my actual weight pretty much doesn't change that much.
0: What about after a marathon? What is the first thing you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to take a nap? Do you want to go and have lunch or dinner (laughs) for you? What's that like after a marathon?
2: the first thing you want to do is have French fries. At least that's for me, <laughs> You want something really salty. And cause you've, you know, you have salt all over your body, um, and really, you know, filling, um, then you want some drink and then you want to sit down. Um, I was never actually like sleepy, tired, um, because there's so much like adrenaline still pumping, but you definitely want to get in a hot tub and relax and eat a lot. <laughs>
1: Of the places that you've run, do you have a particular location that was just really like beautiful for you that like you think of if someone were to ask you about your favorite race?
2: Mm, I've done a lot of really pretty ones, um, but you know, most of them I've chosen for the course. So to try to get a fast course. Um, but as, as far as beautiful, I mean, I did, um, Mesa, Arizona, and that one is really pretty, like you're going through the desert and the night, and, you know, the sun's coming up. So that's beautiful. But for the most part, I don't run for the scenery. <laughs> I, I run to kind of block out everything and just stay in my head. So I run the same stretch of road in my neighborhood over and over. Over and over again, because it's just easy and it's out of the house. And, you know, I'm not running for the scenery. I would prefer to walk and look at the scenery. You know, walking is great for that. But if I'm running, I have my blinders on and I'm just looking at the guy in front of me. I'm just looking at the back of his head. So I don't really care <laughs> what the scenery is.
1: Um, Do you find that running like relaxes you I know when I first picked it up it was supposed to be both like a tension reliever as well as like increasing my fitness and becoming more athletic I think there are definitely days now where I take a bad day at work out on my run with me and I feel a lot better when I come back and then there's some days where I try to do that and I'm like really I probably should have just laid down and gone to sleep as my way of relaxing so I mean you've been doing this so long I'm curious if yeah you've
2: found it,
1: you know like tension relieving
2: Tension relieving. I, yes, yes. So um, depending on the season, I'm usually, I'm kind of a fair weather runner. I don't like running in the cold. And so I do usually run after work a lot and it is a great way to kind of wash off the day, but you're right. You're not, you don't always know what you're going to get from your run. So I wouldn't say a run actually relaxes me, but if I do have a lot of mental chatter going on, a run is a great way to get it out. But if I'm physically tired, a run is probably gonna make it worse, but not always. Sometimes a run can be really energizing, but it it kind of depends on what else is going on in your life. Um we never run in a vacuum. So it's not always going to be the same. You, you know, a stressful day. Usually a run will help, but you're right. It doesn't always help.
1: If you could impart any advice onto someone who hears this podcast and is like, hey, you know what? I I want to run like I want to run a distance. Um, what would you mm-hmm. say to them to get started?
2: I would say running is hard yeah. and running totally sucks, <laughs> And but that is the beauty of it because not everybody does it. Not everybody is out there running, um, you know, even a mile. let alone a marathon or an ultra marathon. The, you know, there is nothing sweeter in life than doing something hard, well, and running gives that to you. You can go from totally not being in shape to having a completely chaotic life, to having a sense of accomplishment, to having a purpose, to having a goal. And all you have to do is go put your shoes on and go for a run. So You know, if you're looking for running to make you feel better in the moment, it won't in the moment, it will be hard and uncomfortable and you'll feel terrible. But when you're done and you can look back at the badass thing that you just did, that's where the beauty is.
0: Well, Claire Bartholik from Asheville, North Carolina, the uh, plant-based running and mindset coach. Uh, By the way, I, we highly recommend the podcast, Claire's podcast, The Planted Runner I was uh, listening to it while I was walking uh, today, and it gave me energy to continue on. I actually did an, an extra mile today, thanks to you, Claire.
2: Oh, good. Uh, yeah,
0: I, you know, because I just wanted to hear what was coming up next, really. But what we need to do, Gabby, is get Claire a T-shirt that says, Running Really Sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll take it. Yes. That's awesome. I need to print those, put them in a store.
0: (laughs) You are, you are a truth teller if nothing else too. So that's, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Yeah. I I used to think, or used to say that the best part of my runs back when I was doing it was when I was finished with it, you know?
1: Absolutely.
0: So so, uh, Claire, before we go, uh, tell us where people can look you up. Where can they find you?
2: Well, I'm the Planted Runner on Instagram. I'm really active there. So you can come join me on Instagram, obviously the Planted Runner Podcast. And I also have I also have a freebie. Um if anybody's interested, it's the ultimate fueling guide for runners. So just head to the plantedrunner.com slash join J-O-I-N. And coming soon in February, big news. The book, The Planted Runner, is coming out. So I'm super excited um, for that to finally happen.
0: Did, That's you so start, exciting. did yeah, did you start to write that book while you were running? Like <laughs>
2: I've like- been writing, I've been writing that book for years. Um <laughs> but yes, yes, it is finally gonna be on paper.
0: <laughs> Every day she writes the book. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Claire, it was a real pleasure talking to you. I know Gabby, uh, you know, Gabby as as someone who actually runs these days and uh, was dedicated to, I know she trained for this thing that this half marathon that she did. I have nothing but respect for people who go out and tackle things that are difficult to do and, you know, they get something out of it. So,
2: yeah, that's uh, what it's all about.
0: Absolutely. So, Claire, thank you so much for being with us today on the Encore podcast.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So Chris, do you feel inspired going to go on a run?
0: No. Uh, <laughs> although, although if I did, if I was considering it, I would certainly, like I said, I listened to her podcast while I was on my walk the other morning and it, uh, you know, she does a great job with it. By the way, you runners uh, should definitely check out Claire's podcast. It is very Very helpful, I think, and very encouraging. And she's got a lot of good advice. Obviously, she knows what she's talking about. The Planted Runner is the name of the podcast again. Way to go, Claire. Keep on running. Keep on running, Gabby. Keep on going, baby. You can do this.
1: (laughs) Appreciate the encouraging words. I had a lot of expletives in my head at a certain point during the race on Saturday, but. One of the best things I got to do to celebrate after the race on Saturday was watch the Phillies move on to the NLCS. Very exciting. I couldn't feel my legs, but still found the energy to jump up and down when the the final play happened on TV.
0: Well, at some point, you know, uh, just sheer, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, takes over uh, adrenaline. That's it. Uh, you know, and boy, the Phillies have provided a lot of adrenaline during this postseason play, something I didn't think they were going to do. Uh, they fooled me and, and they fool. And I'm glad they fooled me because, you know, unlike Gabby here, I, I haven't been on board with this Phillies team all year. Not that I haven't watched them just about every game they've played. I have, but they frustrated the hell out of me, uh, but they look pretty good so far in the postseason. And hopefully that, you know, here we are again, we're talking about The first game of the postseason was played last night. As you hear this, this this will be Wednesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. We don't know what's going to happen in the first game. We know I have, we have one of our two aces going. So we have a pretty good chance if the Phillies can hit The, the pitching is good. We know that, but will they hit? I guess that remained to be seen as far as you and I are concerned, but the rest of the world kind of knows what happened
1: just want to reiterate again what I've been saying the last two podcasts while well, the playoffs have been going on like I'm just happy to be riding the train and I think that's what's made this postseason so enjoyable is every time they get a little bit further and they defy the odds and they go a little bit farther I am just elated because I wasn't I wasn't expect there was no expectation for that to happen I was just having fun and you know I said last night That my only request really going forward, no matter how much further the Phillies go, if they have to lose, I won't be upset as long as they don't get swept because I want to watch one more win before (laughs) the season is over. And I feel like that's a pretty small ask. Just one more win, at least.
0: You said to me that you felt that the San Diego uh, Padres team really matches up well with the Phillies. Right. So does that give you pause or does that give you encouragement?
1: Um, it's the first time that I've actually, aside from when the, the postseason first started, cause I think going into that first game, I was like, I don't, I don't think that they're going to go far, but that's okay. Cause we got in and that's what we wanted to do. So, you know, like we're playing with house money is like the phrase I keep seeing this time, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that said it's the battle of the vibes teams which is like the best way I think I can describe it. Like the, the Phillies and the Padres both have similar vibes right now. And I never guessed that we were going to be watching the five and six seed competing for the world series, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, clearly I want it to be us because I'm a Phillies fan, but like how cool is that, that the two last seeds took out some of the biggest teams to be here competing for this moment. Yeah. I, I like, it just, it puts a smile on my face. Honestly, like, And that's why I just think that this is going to be a tough series. And maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe the vibes are running out for the Phillies, or maybe the vibes are running out for the Padres and it'll become apparent when they meet each other. But I just, it's that like spark that we keep talking about. I feel like they both have it. So I have no idea what's going to happen.
0: I don't either. And I'm along for the ride too. The only difference I would say in my feelings about this, as opposed to the way you feel about it is, is that the more successful they are, the more disappointing it's going to be if they crash and burn uh, before they get or before they win the world series, let's put it that way. So like I am so invested now on them going all the way this year, because it just feels like in spite of <laughs> my doubting them all season long, in spite of that, I now feel that this is the team that could do the whole thing. If they take care of San Diego, then it, you know, the competition only gets steeper.
1: I agree with you. I think the sky's the limit, but also I, I just, I can't be upset with them. If this is like the final, the final series that they play, how could you be upset with them after all the nonsense they put us through at the beginning of the season, just to take us on a ride like this one. I think this is like the first time where I've made peace with being okay, like, and being happy with them. If they end up not making it to the world series. I think in, in years past, I mean, they won one games yeah. in 2011 and got swept out in the first round. That was frustrating as all hell. I know exactly how Atlanta's feeling. I know exactly how the Mets are feeling, you know, like I know exactly how the Dodgers are feeling, but I don't know this time, like, it, will I be sad if they get eliminated? Yeah. But will I also just be happy that it was such a fun ride up until this point? Yeah, I think so.
0: Well, maybe, maybe, maybe the answer is don't win hundred games be the very last team to grab, you know, that, uh, that wild card spot. And then no one will take you seriously. And then you just kind of walk in and take everything away from them. <laughs> you know? So maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. I just hope to God that, uh, that they, they're able to hit, they're able to put together clutch hits that the first two guys in the batting order, get their stuff together and actually, you know, get on base, if you want to hit a home run, go ahead, left fielder, but you know, come on, let's get the first couple of guys on base so that we can get the really big bats to drive them in and like, you know, go to, <laughs> we need multiple runs. And once you score those runs, Phillies, for God's sake, keep on scoring runs. Don't stop in the fourth inning and then coast for the rest of the way. Okay. That's
1: okay though. Cause then sometimes they're saving runs for the next game. <laughs> right. I, when, when we get to like seven, eight, nine, I'm like, all right, I think we're good. Like, I think we should save some now for tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I used to think about that, too. When they would score lots of runs, I would say, come on, please save some of these runs for tomorrow's team. I I don't know. I'm not sure it works that way, but (laughs) whatever.
1: And also, I feel like I'm going to give credit where credit's due. You know, Reese Hoskins really screwed up in game two with whatever that defensive play was supposed to be. But man, him hitting that three run home run in game three that is going to go down in like philly's lore i think we're going to be talking about that for a long time
0: oh yeah absolutely definitely for for all the bad play in the field he really came up with a highlight one for the highlight reels for uh for the rest of our lives that's for sure so all right phillies come on put it together
1: hopefully the next time well you'll all see how we are in a week right so
0: absolutely
1: yeah
0: all right So anyway, we'll uh, we'll have another episode of the Encore podcast coming up for you next Wednesday right here. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Yeah. Thanks, everybody.